Hi guys, welcome back to the Max Spence Business Podcast. Today I have a very special guest. His name's Cooper Allen. He's actually uh, he's actually works at WFG uh, Wealth Management Group. Uh, it's great having you on the show, Cooper. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really, uh, really appreciate the time, and, and look forward to seeing what we can stir up here. Awesome, awesome. So I, I'm very excited as well. So what? Uh, so why don't we do a little intro about you know who you are, where did you grow up, where did you go to school, uh, and what made you sort of get into business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess we'll, we'll start right from the beginning. Um, was raised in, in the Barrie, Ontario area. Ended up, uh, I was an athlete growing up. Um, well, whether it was a good one or not, it's completely subjective. But uh, yeah, played sports growing up. Um, really had no idea what I wanted to do uh, as I got near the end uh, of high school. So I actually ended up doing, um, doing my, I guess, victory lap year, so to speak. Um, went, went back for grade 13. Um, figured I'd work a little bit, save some money to go, go pay for school. Uh, always had a bit of an interest in, in business um, and ended up, uh, ended up going to Nipissing University and, and took an accounting degree there. And um, it was a pretty flexible program in the sense of I didn't actually have to pick um, where I wanted to stream until year two or three. So I think that was attractive. I was leaning towards accounting right off the get-go, but um, the ability to kind of get my feet wet and a little bit of everything and, and then go from there. Uh, what was kind of the right path, I guess, for, for me, it, it provided that flexibility as, as someone who really didn't know completely what, what I wanted to do just yet. And I think in hindsight, it ended up being the right decision. I mean, it's, it's hard to look at what the alternative could have been. You never really know um, if, if I would have done this, would that have happened? I think we, we always assume that whatever the alternative is, we always assume that it would be best case scenario. And I think people a lot of times live with, with a bit of regret in that sense, rather than, uh, um, rather than accepting the fact that we have no idea what the alternative would have turned out as, but um, loved my time up there. Ended up spending five years in, in North Bay for, uh, or at school, want one in an employment role um, and, and completely love it out there. A lot better in the summer than it is in the winter. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I've got one of, one of my, uh, uh, friends is actually, I, say, I believe he's in North Bay doing um, something with uh, aircraft maintenance or some sort of, you know, a trades degree or something. Uh, and he says, yeah, it's, it's, uh, the winters are not too nice there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's for sure. Yeah. So wh- wh- why don't we actually jump into the e- educational part and, and accounting. So you said like, and I really feel like that's the same for a lot of people, you know, you get out of high school and then it's like all this pressure to be like, all right, you got to figure out, you know, at 17 years old, what you want to be in life for the next 50 years and that's that's pretty crazy so um what so when you chose the accounting degree um what made you sort of advise sort of go towards the accounting degree over maybe going into something like economics or maybe some other sort of field it's a good question i mean i think for me what it came down to at the time i mean and my, my answer now versus my answer at 18 obviously is totally different but uh at the time, it was something that I enjoyed. Um, oddly enough, most people don't enjoy that that stuff. But um, the other thing was, it was just it was something that allowed me to be flexible. Really, I think the mistake that a lot of people make just comes from a place of not knowing what we don't know, um, and thinking that going to be going to get an accounting degree means we're going to be an accountant in a firm somewhere, or going to get uh, an economics degree means we're going to end up on Wall Street. And what I've now learned, fast forward many years later, is that that's not 
the case. It's more about, to me, the way I view at least any post-secondary education, unless you're going to, to, to do something very, very specific, like if you're going into nursing, you're going to be a nurse. But, but really, for, for a lot of the other degrees out there, it's really just tools in your toolbox. Um, and I knew, in hindsight, accounting is, is one of those things that I wasn't going because I loved the idea of working at an auditing firm, per se. I wasn't thinking about that at 18. It was just, it was kind of, yeah, it was a, a tool in a toolbox that I think could, could have been valuable wherever I ended up down the road. And I was actually looking in, in sports management as well and kind of figured, you know, it's probably easier to get a job in, in sports with a business degree than get a job in business with a sports degree was kind of my mindset at the time. Um, so, so, yeah, I think anyone who isn't really sure of what they want to do, to, to your point, I think the mindset can't be pressure because this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. I think it should be more excitement because you get to go learn something that you're passionate about and find a way to kind of take a little bit of everything while you're there, whether it be economics or marketing or go take a, a religions and cultures or a psychology elective course and try to learn something and just keep adding tools to that proverbial toolkit uh, so that when you do get out into the workplace, uh, you can provide a lot of value no matter what the employer is. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I agree with you uh, a lot with that. That, that. That's awesome. Yeah. Just uh, instead of focusing on like, oh, I'm going to be doing this for the next 50 years, just be like, you know, what? It's just keep adding knowledge to your tool belt, which, you know, and because you never really know which direction you're going to go. But with accounting, accounting, if you're wanting to do business, accounting is really good to have on your tool belt. Uh, if you're wanting to start your own business, you know, that's really good to have in your tool belt as well. So yeah, I, 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 I like how you sort of thought that through and said, yeah, I, I think it's easier to get a, an, well, I think it's easier to get a job with sports management with a business degree than sports management, than getting, having a sports management degree and getting a business job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it's, it's funny too, because I've had this little mindset shift. I'm, I'm a very much a, a black and white kind of right and wrong person, which can be a strength and it can be a weakness. And I think in, where it can be a weakness is when your idea of right and wrong isn't right, if, if that makes sense. So for me, I was very much in, in that kind of mindset that um, I was always raised on go get good grades. And then you go through the education system and, and there's a lot of teachers that are very much like, it's, it's like they tier people, they, they class people very much. And it's like, okay, well, if you don't do this, you're not gonna be successful kind of thing. So it's like, in my head, I was, that was black and white for me. It's like, yeah, go, get good grades, um, go to university, get your degree, your, your degree is going to be your meal ticket. Well, not necessarily. If you don't do anything while you're there, you don't network, you do anything like that. And so I, I was, my plan in terms of, of right and wrong at the time, I think the first message I, I have to high school students now is there's no such thing as right and wrong when it comes to your own education. There's right for you. Um, and, and I think for me, like at the time, my path was, or my plan was to just kind of follow that path that society wants to put us on and say, yeah, let, let's go try to win the rat race. And when I got there, I'm like, okay, well, how do I win this rat race? I need to be more involved. What's going to make me stand out from every other student that's here. And I'm at a small school and there's a lot of students here. So what about all other schools, other students at other schools? And, um, and some of them have better brand names than, than saying, so how do I, how do I stand out? And right off the get go, it was always go to the networking events show up wherever I could, get involved wherever I could, build my resume. And I think for me, the real TSN turning point in that kind of beginning of the mindset shift and what really almost started that kind of journey into the entrepreneurial world, Max, was just being two years in 
and also having that extra year at a high school, um, I, I now had quite a few friends who had already done trade school or had got through their college degree. And while I was still accumulating debt, they were out in the real world making money. So everything that I had learned about what the meal ticket to success was and going and following this path and doing the right thing, all of a sudden kind of got flipped on, on its head a little bit. And I started looking at, wow, that, that guy's fresh out of college, paid half of what I had to pay and is now making 80 grand a year. And I'm on the hook for another 20 next year and I still don't have a degree yet. So it was, it was interesting. It just kind of broadened my perspective a little bit and made me realize, oh yeah, there's, there's more than one path here. And that's when I started to um, explore entrepreneurship as well. Um, just because I started to realize I'm learning how to be a really good employee here, but they don't do much in, in terms of teaching you how to be an entrepreneur. And I, I now understand, yeah, entrepreneurship is not really something that can be taught. It's something you got to learn. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, just, a, I think having a, a bit of an open mind with that stuff really helped change things for me and provide that motivation to, to go out and explore something new for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I actually, I agree with that as well. Um, yeah. I've sort of seen like when I came back from the army, um, I, I had this sort of time period where I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, and before leaving the army, I knew I wanted to do something in business. I was interested in, you know, real estate, um, before leaving the army and like, you know, the market and investing your money to, you know, cause my, my, well, my mom's especially kept telling me when I was young, uh, which was probably, um, a very good benefit to have was that cause she, she didn't learn She didn't have somebody who told her this when she was younger, but like she was telling me about the effects of compounding interest, you know, like when you put your money in and it just keeps compounding, compounding, compounding. Um, and you know, you keep saving up this money into, you know, let's say an RSP or a TFSA or a, some account with GIC or something. And you just keep building that, you know, you just keep compounding that money. You keep putting, you know, monthly or biweekly more contributions in. And then by the time you retirement, you have something to retire with. Um, so that's sort of that. I think that's where it started for me, where, um, that that's where it started with me with, for the business sort of aspects of side of things. And then when I started networking, speaking with a lot of different people, there's a lot more paths to success than a lot of people maybe just think. Uh, because if you don't really network with, you know, different business people and you're not really in that world, uh, you sort of see that there's only sort of one path that's laid out in front of you. And, you know, maybe it's to your parents' path that they've laid out in front of you. And that's pretty much, you know, get good grades. Like you said, in high school, then, you know, go to university, get good grades there and then get a job. Right. Well, like you were saying, there's, you know, I, I know guys that go into trades and I know the trades are paying really well right now, just because, um, there's there's not enough tradesmen like Canada, I believe Canada has like a shortage of different types of tradesmen that they are trades women as well, uh, that they need. And, uh, so they're getting like, you know, some of these guys are coming out of the trades or, you know, by the time they're, you know, like 22, 23, they're almost making a hundred grand a year. Right. And then by the time, you know, somebody that leaves with a degree is like, all right, well now I have all this debt. Like you said, I've got like $40,000 in debt <laughs> and now I have to get a job and it doesn't really give you the opportunity when you have $40,000 in debt to go start a company um, or, or start a business, right? Cause you're like, okay, I need to start paying this off. So you go get that job and then you're hooked into that job for a couple of years. And then, you know, maybe then it becomes harder to actually leave that job and, you know, then go start your own business. So when you, uh, so w w I, I want to sort of jump back to, uh, sort of the, the, with the university, what, what sort of aspects of the account, like, was it just like primarily, like, was it just concentrated in with accounting or was there any other bits, like any other, like maybe electives that you sort of took that you found 
uh, very valuable. Yeah, we actually, so we did our kind of, you had your general core business administration classes that, that everyone had to take. Um, and then, so for the first couple of years, it was relatively standard. And then from there, we could branch off into the accounting route or the marketing route or um, whichever route an individual wished to, to pursue. So um, got to do a, uh, a lot of the same classes with people throughout various disciplines throughout the degree, which was nice. And we really didn't start streaming accounting until probably third year where I took two tax classes. I want to say two auditing classes as well. Uh, couple of managerial accounting classes and I think a couple of intermediate accounting classes as, as well um, but even still throughout the full degree um, still to do strategy and policy um, financial management a uh, couple of marketing courses here and there um, there, so, are, there are some pretty cool sorry go ahead sorry, sorry, I, I, sorry to interrupt you I just want to so what, what, out of those classes you mentioned what were sort of um, the most like you learned the most and were the most important for you starting your actual own business and you're like damn, having that sort of, you know, taking that class was really useful. Because um, I, I know for me, because I, I went to uh, Algonquin College for a bit, but we, we can talk about that later, because I'm going to be hopping on your podcast as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, the, what did you actually find that were sort of like the key ones that were like, okay, this is, you know, when you got out of school, and you started your own business, you're like, holy shit, okay, this actually makes sense. And this is actually a really good thing to have. You know, it's, it's, what's funny to me is that I attach myself more to individual moments or individual learning points rather than the course as a whole. So I can think of just different lessons that certain professors would teach. Uh, Denise LaFrance Horning was a phenomenal marketing professor and almost probably one of the first days of marketing class in first year. It was always, her big thing is just innovate or die, innovate or die, innovate or die. And that's something that's kind of always stuck with me in terms of kind of just thinking, thinking differently. Um, and, and kind of fearing that attitude of, well, this is just the way things have always been. So this is the way that they're always going to be. Um, that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves now in, in business when people say that for sure. Um, especially with how much change is occurring in the world. Um, Diane Davis uh, was a great professor as well. She did an entrepreneurship class, which again, you can't really teach entrepreneurship. Uh, but at the same time, we read a book that's called Hearts, Smarts, Guts, and Luck. Um, and it just, it was one that really broadened my perspective for sure on, um, what was out there on, on the other side of graduation and, um, what it actually took to, to be successful and, and got me kind of curious as to, oh, it's not the guy with the university degree that's, that's making it, or it's not all, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. And, and just like little kind of key lessons like that, um, in, in terms of the more nuts and bolts applicability. Um, personal corporate tax with Jesse Davis was, was probably the, the biggest one. Again, he was a guy that, I don't know how he did it, but he made tax interesting. So there's there's not too many people that, that can say that, that's for sure. Um, personal tax, obviously very applicable to, to my own situation. Um, and, and then getting into the business world as well, helping on, on that side uh, was a big help. Um, but I think that the nice thing too was like, a lot of that stuff is, is entry level. Right, because in a lot of cases you do, you have to teach the lowest common denominator. Um, and I don't know how, um, like I have a lot of respect for professors in the sense of they have all of this education. So to come back in and teach a first or second year course in university, it's probably the most difficult thing in the world. You, you look at someone like Wayne Gretzky trying to coach hockey, it didn't go as well for him as, as many would have thought. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, we, we got, I don't want to say bare bones, 
education per se, but I, it, it was a lot of, of basics. Uh, and if I had specific questions, I would go out of my way to either reach out to myself or, or ask, go and, and spend some extra time with the professor and actually ask, hey, can we, can we explore this a little bit further? Um, or just find people in the industry that already have experience there. Uh, but I would say um, those, are, those are the three people. And then Anahit Armanakian was another professor. I think even more specifically than the, than the classes themselves, I think it was the people and, and the lessons that I was able to learn from, from them that, that really made the biggest difference. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that is very true. Yeah, I, I sort of see, like, like, like you said, it, like university gives you a very, um, like in business, it gives you a very basic overview, right, of like, you know, a lot of different subjects, and it sort of just opens your sort of mind to the world of business and all these different possibilities, right? It doesn't really go down too narrowly, like, hey, we're going to teach you how to, you know, make $300,000 a year or become a millionaire, invest in different stuff. It's more like, you know, giving you the basics to be like, okay, I can learn about business. And there's all these different opportunities that I didn't know existed that I can actually go down. Uh, one of the best things I think about university is, um, is, is like you said, the networking. The networking is probably one of the biggest uh, things that, one of the biggest things that if you, I, I believe you're not doing at university or college and you're in business and you wanna get into business, uh, you're sort of really missing out and you're missing out on a lot of opportunity that you could be getting if you're not networking with one, the professors, I really believe you need to network with the professors because um, they'll have huge networks as well. It's like, um, I can't remember the term. Oh, it's like uh, su these super connectors, right? So you network with one person that's a super connector and then they sort of bring you in and then they, you know, that person has a network, huge network and then they introduce you to like, you know, 10 to 20 or 30 other people they didn't know existed and you're like, holy crap, this is crazy. So finding those super connectors, super connectors is really important. And um, uh, networking with, uh, so I, I, I had this guy on, uh, he went to, he was, I think he's in his, I think he's 25 or 26. No, I think he might be 23 or 24. Uh, but he's, uh, he, he went to Harvard law school. Um, and you know, he, he talked about Harvard law and all that stuff and it's great and stuff, but he wasn't too focused on the grades. Like, yeah, he, he did what he did to sort of get through it and you don't do well, but he wasn't like one of the guys that's like, okay, I want to get a hundred percent on everything. Right. Um, but he sort of found that he, now he's in, uh, uh, what's it called? In, like, uh, investors, like he's, he's, well, he works for a company that's pretty much an angel investing company. So they invest in new startups okay. and stuff like that. And how he actually got involved with that company, which is, you know, becoming in, working for an angel investor, a private equity firm that invests in startups is apparent. Uh, well, it, what he said is it's hard to get into just because you have to have a lot of knowledge about the area before somebody wants to bring you on. Um, but he was saying how he got into that role and joined that business was actually from school. The guy who actually started that company was two years ahead of him and he sort of knew him from school and then they sort of became friends. And then he had, you know, another group of guys that were a year ahead of them started their own company in the legal space, like uh, with like more technology based stuff. And they were actually one of the companies that uh, the angel investing company invested into. So he had this network of people and it's just, you know, and he was saying that really just having like, when you go to these schools, it's like having, cause you'll meet a lot of people that are going to be doing stuff in the future in different aspects and having that network is going to be really beneficial to you. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And that's a perfect segue really into kind of where, where I'm at now. Cause I always wonder one of the biggest, I mentioned kind of that, that mindset flip, that TSN turning point for me. Well, well, the, the second kind of flip or the TSN turning point was when I sat down with uh, a, a guy who's now a really good mentor of mine in the financial services industry. 
who sat down and in 45 minutes taught me more about money than I learned in my whole degree. So I'm sitting there now in, in hindsight looking, going, did I really need to spend 20 grand a year? But then I also look at the other side of the coin to your point about networking is that everything that I've done in my life, or at least everything that's current in my life right now from six string management to the LCL collective to um, my, my role in the financial services industry, as well as you alluded to, that is all through some sort of connection that was made while at university. So that's, I'm, I'm a big believer to, to your point exactly is that when, when I was getting involved in my first couple of years, I wasn't getting involved thinking that someday I'd be, be behind the mic doing a podcast with somebody or that I would start a consulting firm or that I would even really get into financial services for that matter, which is again, something we can touch on was an industry that I really didn't think I would end up in at all. Um, but I just, I, I wasn't getting involved thinking that was going to be the case. I was just, I was getting involved to really, I think at the beginning of it, really, it might've just been a wanting to help people and, and b to kind of broaden the resume a little bit. But then the more I did that, the more I actually became genuinely interested in other people. And when you get out of your little bubble, you move away to a different town, you start seeing different events, different perspectives on things. I just, I, I became really interested in what is it that you're doing and, and why are you doing what you're doing and, and what was the journey that, that led you to be here? And, and I think that ended up being a, being a really big strength for me. Yeah, 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 I, I, I agree with that as well. So yeah, let, let's actually segue into um, pretty much starting your own company when you, when you got out of uh, university. So a six string management. So how did that actually come about? And uh, how did, how did you find actually, are, are, are you, are you still currently running that business or have you sort of put that a bit on the back burner and you're focusing more, focusing more on the financial service uh, business that you're running right now? Yeah, for sure. And six, yeah, six strings, definitely something that has scaled back since, since I did originally start it. And it was something that, uh, as a result of meeting a lot of great people throughout my university experience, whether that was actually at school itself or in the community, um, I ended up having some people come to me um, just for advice on, Hey, I'm looking at this startup. What can, what can you do here? I'm, uh, I want to move to this next step in, in my career. Um, but I'm just strapped for time. And, um, originally for me, it just started with, yeah, happy to help you out. And as I started helping a few people out here and there, just providing my two cents, I learned that one of really, one of the things I enjoyed doing most was taking a bird's eye view on whether it was a company or an individual and, and saying, yeah, how can we help? And I think that comes from a sports background, really, in terms of um, studying studying other teammates, how they can have, I was a baseball guy, so how, how do you make your next at bat better than the last one? Is the pitcher throwing something that, that we didn't pick up on the first time and just always trying to get a little bit better? So when I go into the business world, it's the same thing, whether it's a person or an organization, how do we get a little bit better every single day? So I always like that was something that um, – I found I enjoyed quite a bit um, and I'd helped a few people out really just kind of pro bono before I had a business. Um, and I said, you know what, there's, there's a bit of an opportunity here. It's not going to be, it never really started as, as something that was ever going to be a full-time thing for me. I figured um, it was just going to be part-time. Like, you know what, rather than just kind of running it under my own name, I, I might as well um, create a brand, create a bit of a firm, um, be able to document some of the work that's being done here, the successes that, that are being had. And um, as soon it, it was interesting, as soon as I kind of 
got serious there and and in the eyes of other people now all of a sudden it wasn't just me helping it was like oh coop's got something on on the go now it kind of it's just it, i really changed what i was doing or how i was helping people it just i started documenting what i was doing and all of a sudden some other people started to take note and a couple other opportunities came up and bounced around from from industry to industry a little bit helping clients in, in different industries um focused quite a bit in on the music industry um which is where the primary uh, primary efforts still are in, in six string management i'm um, still helping out uh, an artist and a couple of other organizations as as well um, obviously that industry has um, felt the brunt of, of covid more than a lot of other industries for sure um, and with the success of, of the financial education firm um, and that opportunity that's that's in front of me uh, music has uh, a lot of the opportunities have um, I've kind of scaled back on on a little bit myself and tried to put other people in roles that I was previously fulfilling for for certain individuals or organizations so um, but but yeah that that was the gist of, of how it got started really was a uh, uh, again just through networking in university not just on campus but in the community as well taking a genuine interest in people and and the more you do that the more you'll find out what you like and what you don't like and for me um, consulting just seemed to be hap something that that I happen to like and didn't come with its its without its share of challenges that's for sure I mean when you're just finishing up a university degree who's to say that I'm going to be able to provide anything valuable I knew I wanted to help people I knew that I could provide some value but there's kind of that that ageism thing that experience thing that that comes into play with some people where it's like yeah what, what could this kid bring to the table so there's definitely a bit of a chip on your shoulder when you're, you're starting up with people. Um, and, and everything was a learning experience, really, it, it was. I mean, I think that's, um, if you wait your whole life to do, um, until you know everything, until something's gonna be perfect, you'll wait your whole life and you'll never actually do. So um, for me to kind of throw myself in the fire a bit and um, learn the first little bit, I don't wanna say the hard way, but but not be perfect in the beginning and just kind of master a craft over the last couple of years has been uh, been a lot of fun, sure. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's awesome. I really like one piece of uh, one piece of advice that you actually gave there was uh, when you started scaling it back, you started to put other people, you know, maybe subcontractors into these roles to help your clients. And that's one great thing is that if you start a business, it's you don't have to just cut and dry and end everything with it is because you have relationships with clients and other businesses will value that. So when you're able to connect, you know, when you're able to connect a subcontractor to that client that says, Hey, you know, maybe I need some uh, help with branding or marketing this new song, or, you know, um, with the sound production of this new song. And they're like, Hey, do you have anybody? You can connect them to somebody that does that, but you can also take a fee for doing that because you have the connection to the client, which is what a lot of big companies do. Like Amazon does and Google and Facebook, a lot of com big companies do this where they have the connection to the client. And then they sell that connection to another company that's wanting to provide a service to that client. So like you, like that's, that's what I think is really great. Cause a lot of people might think that, Hey, you know, I have to end that cold and dry, you know, I'm, I'm going to go off and do this now. I'm not going to bother with any of that. Well, you know, there's still quite a bit of money that could be still made and a lot of value that you could give by connecting those clients to other great people in that sort of sector. So that, that I, I, I really like about, I, I well, I really like that. Um, so let's actually jump to the LCL Collective now and you starting that. So did you, uh, was that sort of at the same sort of time as Six String or was it sort of you, you moved from, say, well, yeah, you're still running it, but 
do you sort of start putting um, six string more on hold or, or was this when you started the, at WFG that you started the LCL collective? Yeah, a bit of a bit of a mixed bag, I guess. And I'll, I'll tell that story here in a minute, but I think to your point again, Max, it was a great reflection too, because for me, what I realized is, is I, I think where a lot of people who are like me get frustrated um, a lot of people, because I'm very much rooted in, I want my life to be in service for other people. Um, I, I really like helping people, uh, and that's just kind of who I am. And, and what I realize is that when, when a lot of people try to, to help others, where, where they really get caught up is trying to be everything to everyone. And fortunately, what, what I was able to realize um, I want to say recently within the last couple of years any, anyways is that you, you just you can't be everything to everyone and, and sometimes as a result of that you have to scale back in, in certain things and, and that's another good mentor of mine uh, slash friend that, that I met at university that I do the podcast with Ray Mulville we were kind of having a conversation one day and, and I basically just said to him like Ray I, I want to do two things or three things a hundred percent I'm tired of having my hand in every single pot and putting 70% into it. That's just not me. And you can't really pour from an empty cup. So even though having 15 things on the go might seem like we're helping a lot of people, if I'm helping them to 60 or 70% of my capacity, because my focus time isn't on them, I'm not really helping. Them. So that's what, what I think for me, that's why I value networking so much. That's why I value what you're doing with your podcast. Um, and just connecting with, with people without an agenda, without a sales pitch, because if we can connect, the more good people we can connect ourselves with, I always want to be the guy who knows a guy or knows a girl or knows a person who's able to help somebody. So Max, you may come to me one day for advice, and I have no idea how I can personally help you. But if I can make one small connection, then, then that, that makes all the difference, in my opinion. And, and I think part of the reason I have that perspective is because a lot of what I do today has been based on referrals through to other people from somebody. So somebody took 30 seconds out of their day to think of me. And now I owe a lot of what I'm doing today to them based on a 30 second referral. True. Uh, True. But I, but I think that starts on the ground floor with building that relationship at a previous point in your life. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So what, 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 yeah, I, I, I like that as well. So the, how did the LCL Collective come sort of come about and you sort of starting that? Is, is that is that the is that your podcast? Or is that something yeah. like that, 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 that that's just your podcast right now? Is there anything, um, you know, other that's attached to it? Or is that just so you're, you're, you're podcasting right now? Yeah, so the Collective is just kind of more more broad scale. Um, right now, it's a digital media channel, um, kind of just a fun little side project for us, not something that we we really plan to monetize we've got some some bigger ideas for it for sure in terms of how to scale it um, but the basic premise of it and, and how it started it, it's since evolved but it was Ray and myself having a conversation around excuse me he um, him and I just like I said he, he was a, a really good mentor for mine as, as I started six string as I started studying um, it, to be in the financial services industry with the insurance license investment license um, kind of balance that with a few other things um, and, and really we, we'd have all these great conversations about the future which first and foremost I think for people our age that's the best thing you could ever do for yourself 
is to look at your circle and ask yourself, are people talking about where they're going to be and what they're going to do? Or are they talking about their high school glory days? Because that's the biggest, the biggest difference maker in, in my life, just from a mental aspect has been the types of people that I've surrounded myself with and the conversations we've been having. And, and if that's a calculated effort for you to, to talk about the things that most people don't want to talk about, I think it gives you, you a massive advantage. But Ray and I would have these types of conversations. And um, I, I went through a big personal growth and development journey and listened to a lot of great podcasts, Lewis Howes, Gary Vaynerchuk, Ed Milat. And um, actually one of the goals I'd set out um, to, to begin the year was basically let's study the biography of one successful person every week because it'll teach you a couple of things. It'll teach you, hey, what are the common traits that all of them have? But when you learn their stories, it also takes all of your excuses out of play because you realize, well, if that guy can do it and he came from far worse than me, surely I can, I can do it as well. So I start reflecting on other people's experiences, coupling that with my own experience, my own learning uh, points from business as well. And, and I'd have these conversations with Ray about the future. And we got off a call one day, we kind of wrapped it up after speaking for probably like 45 minutes. And it just, it just clicked with us. Like, why are we not recording this? And then we've, we've learned so much from so many great mentors. If we just keep this to ourselves and we don't share it, the one thing I always say is knowledge isn't power unless it's applied and unless it's shared. So I'm like, why are we not spreading what we're learning right now to the rest of the world? And we have the means to do it with podcasting, with social media. And we don't need to have 100,000 followers. If it helps one person, that's a win. And it's the same conversations we're already having anyways. We might as well just record it especially so that if in 10 years down the road we're perceived as successful by everyone else and now they look and we're trying to give back and give advice to people and all of a sudden we're not relatable we can look back and say no no we were recording this stuff in our 20s and and just kind of document that journey and uh, from, from the idea of documenting the journey it eventually just developed into well yeah why don't we also provide platforms for other entrepreneurs to come and share their journeys as well because there's just as much to be learned from from what they're doing and uh, as to what we're doing as, as well. So um, yeah, it's kind of, it's expanded and, and we've now interviewed a lot, a lot of great people where it's going to go from here. I'm not entirely sure. We've got kind of a few ideas in the works, but it's not, um, it, it is, it's just our kind of fun, fun side project to do what we can to give back. It's not, uh, I don't, I don't have any plans to really try to monetize it or make a business out of it, but uh, he, you never say never, you never know what the, the future will bring. Yeah, that, 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 that is very true. And yeah, that, that's sort of the same with mine, how this sort of started was um, this, like, I, I, I just wanted to network. Uh, so I, I sort of saw it as a networking standpoint, because like, I was trying to get meetings with people like, you know, coffee meetings or something like this was before COVID, uh, when, you know, you could actually ask to have a coffee meeting with people and people would be like, yeah, you could actually see them say face to face instead of doing a zoom call. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I was like, all right, so like, I, I was kept like, um, I kept trying to have like, just talk to like these really interesting entrepreneurs just about like real estate or a business and business in general and sort of just get, uh, you know, like how they sort of did it and advice and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, why don't I do podcasting? You know, cause I'm going to be having these conversations with people and I sort of want to build my social brand as well. Um, you know, and I want to put into, you know, I want to put this onto YouTube and put it onto Instagram and sort of build like a brand around business as well. So that's how it sort of started for me. And, uh, you know, I, I, I haven't monetized it yet, but that's where I sort of want to take it to is be able to turn this into monetization, but also have, also have um, really great uh, 
entrepreneurs on the podcast as well that can give some great advice and value to um, people that are maybe listening that are in their 20s or 30s or you know whatever age really so um, yeah so I actually let's segue into your uh, the next uh, sort of you know subject we're going to talk about is uh, you know getting uh, you know working at WFG and how did that sort of come about and what is that sort of like for you right now yeah, you know, you know what, it's it's funny when I graduated with a degree in, in accounting and, and had some opportunities to get into the traditional industry, whether it be with a, a finance institution, I won't mention any names or an auditing firm or whatever the case may be. I kind of, I looked at a few of the people that were a couple of years ahead of me and, and just looked and I'm like, that's, that's not my path. Um, and I also, I love the principles you talked about kind of early on about compound interest and, and having that conversation around just the basic wealth principles to help get people further ahead. Uh, love having that discussion. But I mean, at the same time, I also didn't really want to be that guy at the party. If that makes sense in terms of, yeah, Max, you've got an extra 200 bucks every month, 150 of it needs to be going towards, towards this and pay yourself first, Max, save 10% of your income. And um, it, it's, it's great to have those discussions. I, I think with, with a lot of students, like in, in high school and, and maybe early in university when they haven't got kind of sucked into a lot of the debt stocks that, that some of the older generations are already in now. It's a lot harder to look at um, an older generation that, that maybe has two young kids and a mortgage payment and say, okay, we'll stop going on that family trip because you need to start saving for your retirement. And, and now I'm not giving them financial advice at that point. I'm telling them how to live their lives. And there's kind of a, that awkward line to, to draw a little bit and, and that idea of the industry um, did turn me off a, a, a little bit uh, and I, I did want to kind of go my own route and, and really be an entrepreneur instead of an employee so that's I wasn't really looking at that industry at all one thing when I did finish up school though that I did know was okay well my mentors already taught me more about money in like I said in 45 minutes than my whole degree so clearly this accounting degree wasn't the meal ticket that I thought it would be to financial freedom. So I need to go learn more somewhere. And, and I figured at some point I'd probably go back and get an, whether it was a CPA or the MBA, some sort of designation. I also wanted a break though from the traditional school setting. So I was having so much fun doing what I was doing in, in the entrepreneurial world already that I just, I wanted to go out and do. I didn't want to read anymore. I just wanted to do, you can only read about doing pushups for so long before you actually have to do the pushup. And, um, so when I got out there, I knew though that if I didn't have some sort of course to go on the side, that I'd lose it. Like there was no way that a year from now I was going back into school. So my brain just would have been so disconnected from kind of studying that it just wouldn't be enjoyable. So I actually ended up picking up and deciding that I was going to go um, and get my investment and in insurance licenses. And it started as a part-time learning opportunity, really just a chance to maybe not even get licensed when all was said and done, but just study for the courses you can go and, and get them done for less than the cost of a university, one university course, and learn more about the textbook, insurance, investment knowledge that, that really is, is going to set you way further. It's dry content, don't get me wrong, very, very dry content, but I found it relatively interesting. Um, but you know, the, the more I studied that content, I, I also took it upon myself to study the rest of the industry too, because I started to, um, just kind of take an interest in, in the industry more more or less and, and as i was learning this stuff it's like oh I, I, it would be cool to go out and teach people some of this stuff um so i would look at the industry and and the different companies that that i could potentially work at um 
and WFG was one that, that allowed me, well, it, it allowed me a couple things. First of all, to come in part-time, so I didn't have to give up the, uh, the six-string gig at, at all. Um, gave me kind of that, that flexibility of, of being independent, not having a boss, not having to hit quotas was huge. But it was also the one company out there that was education-based rather than, than sales-based. Uh, so it allowed me to actually, um, when I'm sitting down with someone, kind of go over really the concepts and strategies out there that we mostly as, as the middle class in, in Canada don't necessarily know. So that was the more I actually studied the industry uh, and studied what was going on about there. Like we could have a whole podcast on the myths that are out there about the industry. Uh, and, but I mean, when, when, when push comes to shove, the, the easiest kind of way to break it all down in about 30 seconds is pre-COVID, 48% of Canadians were within $200 of not being able to meet their debts every month. We're in the best country in the world. How does that, how does that happen? How do we have companies that have been around for 100 years that are considered some of the best institutions, not just in Canada, but in the world, profiting billions of dollars a quarter? Meanwhile, half of our country is within $200 of not being able to make payments. That's, that, to me, comes down to education. And... I have some of the best business partners, some of the best mentors in any business in the world right now. And, and I don't even think it's close. And, and if people met them, they'd totally get what I mean. Um, from self-made multimillionaires to Olympic athletes uh, to, yeah, again, millionaires who've come out of retirement uh, and, and to help kind of help us out part-time and, and really get our business off the ground to, to be able to help the middle-class Canadian. And it's just, the, the bottom line is that it comes down to a lack of education. And I really got tired of complaining to a lot of those mentors that why is this not being taught in high school? I, like it, forget, forget an accounting degree. The fact that I had to pay 20 grand a year to not learn it. It should be taught in high school. Just the basic principles around money that, that you had mentioned and, uh, and a lot of other, other things that, that we go over with people as well. Um, but, but really it was, yeah, just I, I saw a need, and, and for me, it's about righting a lot of wrongs and, and actually truly going out and helping people. Um, and, and the opportunity side of it is is really just a bonus to me. One of the uh, one of my business partners uh, came from a teaching background, and we talk all the time about how even if we never got paid to be in this business, we would still teach this stuff to people part time because we think everyone deserves to know the information. Um, and, and I think the general landscape of the business world right now will allow. The change that's needed to to occur um, I, I think it helps that we're in front of the greatest wealth transfer in, in human history coming up with the baby boomers starting to reach their retirement years um, and really just I think if anything this pandemic has taught people that the institutions that we all think are there to support us in a lot of cases well when something like this happens we're kind of on on our own I think people are more accepting now to the idea that Oh yeah, you're right. How come the large, vast majority of us in 1900 weren't getting any further ahead? And you fast forward 120 years, and the numbers are still the same. Why? Why is that the case? So, um, it, it's been a good, been a good run so far. Um, love what we're doing. Uh, the mission of No Family Left Behind is a very easy one to to get behind. Um, and, and then also the opportunity to to be independent as well. Like, like I said, just the flexibility that that comes with that is is absolutely massive and um, just the way they've, they've structured their system. Um, we, we kind of chatted a bit off air about what, what, it, what might the future look like for, for me and financial services and would I ever maybe want to venture off and kind of 
do my own thing, but really their, their system is designed to the way I look at it. I, I just look and go, why, why would I want to leave? And, and that's, again, that's a whole separate conversation about the model and how it works. And, um, but, but it just, it's, they've created a really good culture there where their top, whatever you want to call them, top agents, top whatever, um, aren't picking up and, and leaving because of, of how well they treat their people uh, and, and the mission and the culture that's been created there. So um, our, our biggest thing really is, is moving as many people from um, financially unstable to financially secure as possible. Um, and, and for me, it's not just I'm from Barrie. It's, it's not just a, a hometown thing. What I, what I realized was I could be a financial planner my whole life. And even if I helped one family a day, I started running the math. I'm like, I would never get out of my hometown. But I, I also think this information is too valuable not to be shared with, with the masses. So for me, the, the mindset has kind of shifted too from, don't get me wrong, I'll, I'll help people from a planning standpoint as well. Um, but we are pretty expanding pretty aggressively and, and trying to get um, offices open across Ontario and, um, and really start to help a, a wider spread of, of people for sure. And it's an, an undertaking, like, like I said, that I'm not going to be able to do on my own. So we've, we've found some pretty good people to help us out along the way uh, and are going to be on, on the look for, for other good people as, as well. So in addition to helping families, in addition to, um, to, to really kind of looking at an overall client plan, uh, some of my work as, as well is also in building and training and educating and, and providing opportunity to other good people who, who want to help families along the way as well. So that's the, I guess, the Coles notes of everything. I'm not even sure if that answered your original question. <laughs> No, no, that, 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 that's great. That's, that, that, that's what I love is just, you know, you just, you know, just telling the story about how you sort of got into it and why, why does it make you excited to actually work at that company? So with the I, I, it, WFG is a, so it, is it sort of like a, a little bit of like a franchise model? Like let's say like Royal LePage or something like that, where you can open up your own offices. Like I know in Ottawa, there's Royal LePage, but there's, you know, two different, uh, I think there might be two or three different types of franchises in Ottawa that are, you know, different uh, sort of names so they're like Royal Page Team or Royal Page Performance. Um, is that sort of the same for WFG? Yeah, it's it's a pretty. I'm not even sure how I would describe it. It's a pretty. I, I like to say it's a unique hybrid between kind of that that franchise model, that real estate central brokerage model, combined with the traditional kind of banking corporate finance model is is the way that I like to describe it. Um, and I actually just finished up reading. I know you're, you're a real estate guy, so you probably read this one as well as the, the Remax story, Everybody Wins. I, I just finished up that book in terms of how, how they came into existence from the 70s through till now. Um, and, and obviously, there are some differences from industry to industry. But I was reading through it, and a lot of the key principles were, were very similar. And, and that's um, so, so if anyone's kind of looking at wanting to figure out what this company is is all about and what we're looking to build kind of as a as a branch uh, of the company here in Ontario um, but the two books to read would be actually Steve Siebold's um, Unauthorized Truth about about WFG uh, and then everybody wins the, the Remax story and there's a lot of parallels that, that you can draw there that are, are pretty interesting for sure. Okay awesome awesome so I, I know we're coming to the end here so uh what so what, what are your sort of future goals with wg like like you said you, you're more you, you want to stay with wfg and, and instead of starting your own uh, let's say firm or something so what, what sort of uh what are your sort of future goals and where can people actually find out more about you 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the biggest thing to stay connected with, with me, I've become pretty active on, on LinkedIn lately. Um, so if you look up Cooper Allen on, on LinkedIn, uh, definitely connect there. Um, whether we're talking about one of the businesses I have on the go, uh, or you just want to have a, a coffee and, and kind of shoot the breeze, or if there's any way that I can help you, um, if, you've, if you're someone out there who maybe has a pitch or, or is looking for some feedback from some people, I'm more than happy to connect with, with anyone. Um, I've always tried to do that wherever I can is just say, say yes to opportunities, say yes to helping people wherever I can and, and, and just create conversation. Uh, in, in terms of future goals, for me, it's, and, and you know, it's interesting that you asked that too, Max, because if you had asked me two years ago, I would have told you, what do you, what do you mean future goals? Like that stuff's cheesy. And, and the biggest difference for me in business, I don't think is necessarily a skill set that's been acquired, but more so understanding who I am, knowing my why. Um, and, and kind of thinking about the future and, and setting up what I want that to look like. And um, on a professional side, really, um, it, it's creating a platform, not just across Ontario, that's, that's the short term for sure is Ontario, eventually expanding down into, into the States as well. Um, and really just setting up as, as many distribution centers as, as possible so that we can ultimately help as many families as possible on the client side and provide opportunity to as many people as possible on, on the career side. Uh, because like I said, knowledge is in power until it's shared and, and applied. Um, so right now we're kind of in the, in the applying stage of it. And, and as we continue to apply and, and expand and grow, then uh, we're going to be able to share it with, with more people and, and help more people along the way. So um, long, long term, um, it, it's, I, I, I'll, I'll scale it as big as this thing will let me. I've kind of, stopped putting a glass ceiling on on my targets i mean don't get me wrong you gotta have some realistic um realistic targets for for sure as well but i've kind of broken it down in terms of okay well what are going to be my my stretch goals versus what are going to be my momentum goals and the momentum ones are the more realistic ones that you can hit to build momentum build momentum uh, but then i have a lot of stretch ones as well in terms of just just big picture um big picture stuff to really start making a, a true difference in, in people's lives so um, yeah, that's the, the big one is, is scaling, scaling the WFG business quite a bit. Uh, six string will be an LCL will just be other, again, tools in the toolkit that, that I can leverage to help people wh wherever I can. Um, and, and that's ultimately what it comes down to. That's how I measure success. I don't measure it in terms of a specific dollar value. Um, I, I measure it more in terms of, of people that I'm able to impact. Um, that number is. Um, I, I think it's a healthy number right now, um, but it's nowhere even close to where, where I want it to be. So I, I really look forward to having this conversation with you in three, five years and, and see how much that it's even changed. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that, that's amazing. So that, thank you for coming on the show, Cooper. Uh, yeah, you, you, you gave a lot of great advice for schooling and sort of your story and your journey and stuff. Um, yeah, if people want to find out more about Cooper Allen, look him up on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, he, he posts, you know, he's posting different stuff there. He also has his podcast as well, which is the LCL collective. Uh, but yeah, it, it was, it was great having you on the, the show at Cooper. Yeah. I really appreciate the time and, uh, love doing this stuff with people. So if anyone's watching this, uh, whether you thought we were great or we sucked, let us know either way. Awesome.